Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I admire your luck, Mr. Bond. James Bond. Welcome to episode 14 of AI Movie Night. I'm your host, Joe Simpson, and tonight I'm joined by two great guests to discuss all things James Bond. Firstly, I'm lucky enough to be joined by Dan Kennett, host of the excellent AI Analytics podcast. How are you doing, Dan? Hey, Joe. Good take. Really looking forward to this. Really, really looking forward to this. Oh, me too, mate. Thanks very much for joining me. I can't wait to hear your thoughts. I know you're a massive fan. I'm also lucky enough to be joined by the excellent LFC statistician and AI contributor, Andrew Beasley. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, good, thanks, Joe. Uh, thanks for inviting me on. Looking forward to this a lot. I always seem to do podcasts with Dan, but obviously it's a different kind of thing this week. But yeah, We come as a pair. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think that's why it's good as well, because uh, obviously, you know, we all know he's off Twitter and off podcasts, but it'll be nice to see that other other side. I know Gags was joking that he's allowed stats about Bond. You probably <laughs> do know on news too. You probably could rustle up a few if you wanted, but I know you absolutely love the films and I've got a hell of a lot of knowledge. So thanks very much for joining me. Obviously, as you know better than me, there's, there's a hell of a lot to cover with Bond, so I'm going to get straight into it. I want to start with my usual question, firstly, to Dan, and it's, can you remember when and where you first saw a James Bond film for the first time, and what you thought of it? So, I can't remember exactly when it was, Mm -hmm. but it would have been either a bank holiday or Christmas holiday on BBC One or ITV when I, in in the early 80s, because it doesn't happen anymore, but... Back then, it used to be, you know, only four TV channels, no on demand, and uh, and it was pretty much put a put a put a film on, at, you know, at three o'clock in the afternoon or six o'clock in the, you know, in the evening, and literally the whole country would sit down to watch it, a Bond film and stuff like that, and it would have been Roger Moore, probably one with Jaws, so it was just like 
so Spy Love Me or Moonraker, and and that, and very much that era. I mean, and it, it was it was really weird. They didn't even show that many um, Connery ones at that age. It was I'm pretty sure it was all Roger Moore in that, in that early '80s when I first started, you know, getting that recall. But I definitely remember Jaws, you know, biting through the the, the cable, the of the cable car, things like that on, on telly, and when he was fighting him in the pyramids and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah. so it was definitely something like that for me. That that is very similar to myself, to be honest with you. I think, as you say, in those days, you know, it was harder to get hold of things, and there was less variety of media to entertain you. So, uh, as you say, I mean, you had four channels, and you know, but a limited. Was, there was actually no VHS at that point. Yeah, either. yeah. VHS didn't come around until like about eighty two, eighty three, did it? True, true. And I mean, the other thing about it is, as you say, it was almost like an event. As well, you know, the Bond films, you know, the whole family at times would sit around and, and watch it because yeah. it's got something for everyone, I suppose. And mine was also the Roger Moore era. And uh, I think it's hard to say, like you said, I mean, I can't be saying this is the first one I watched or saw any of, but the the memory that sticks in my head is the, 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 the ski jump and parachutes off a... Uh, Spy Love Me me with the Union Jack flag that's that's iconic though yeah yeah yeah. and that's the one that sticks in my head I'm not 100% it was the first memory but it's definitely the one that stuck in my head the most so we've got similar experiences there what about yourself Andrew? mine was sort of similar but sort of different I um, as a kid I think Anybody of, who's probably under the age of about 60 has, has probably always had Bond there in the background growing up in, in this country. So I'd see little bits and bobs of them on TV, but I, I, I wouldn't be able to say I'd seen a specific one all the way through. Mm-hmm. And then when I was about, I think it was about 16 or 17, they brought out a box set of um, VHS videos of all of the films from Doctor No, the first one, up to GoldenEye had been the most recent one. So it's about 15, 16 videos. So essentially, the first one I can say I definitely watched all the way through was Doctor No, because I bought this box set and then I just went through the films in order. But of course, then when you're watching them, consciously watching them, you're like, oh, I remember Thunderball with all the underwater stuff. And I remember Moonraker when they go to space. But I couldn't say for definite that I'd seen one you know, all the way through until that point. So, um, yeah, strangely, I kind of watched them all in order. Um, it's probably a good way to do it, actually, because I think a lot of the early ones are the better ones, but I'm sure we'll come on to all of that. But, uh, yeah, yeah, that's how I kind of yeah. discovered it anyway. I think you've had a very... Uh, that, that's a great privilege you've had there, that you've been able to watch them in order, as you say, without being there at the time they first came out. So I'll be interested to hear your perspective based on that and whether it's any different from from me and Dan because I don't know what what Dan's thoughts will be and I know we'll cover it more later but I can't help but feel my sort of perspective on Bond is heavily skewed by the fact that my Bond was Roger Moore because as I grew up he was the Bond I knew at first so it'd be interesting to see if there's any different perspective coming from yourself to me and Dan maybe but obviously we'll touch on that later. Obviously, we we touched on it a little bit there. The Bond films, they've been going for over 50 years now and are still, you know, phenomenally successful. Why do you think they've been so enduringly popular, Andrew? I think people do love a sort of formula and obviously they sort of toy with it a bit, but they do tend to follow, you know, a, a fairly sort of rigid formula of 
opening uh, opening sequence theme song with you know titles he gets a mission he goes off etc etc you know that they, they, they are kind of broadly similar each time and people like that because they kind of know what they're going to get um i think as well they have kind of changed with the times as well you know you, you couldn't really do a sort of a really 60s style one anymore because austin powers basically came along and ruined that <laughs> or the chances of doing yeah. that again so they have kind of moved with the times and it's kind of changed and um obviously now it's um you know it's not quite batman or whatever but it's a little bit darker in the daniel craig era than um than certainly they used to I mean, certainly the roger moore era that, that you were just sort of referring to so um I think it's kind of a combination of those things. And I think, I think they were lucky that um, sort of when they started in the 60s, it, that they just showed a world that um, I think people of that era, I'm guessing as a younger person, but people of that era probably hadn't seen, you know, they hadn't been to all these exotic places around the world that, that he was going to. And he was sort of, you know, this British guy just sort of socking it to the rest of the world. So I would think that's, you know, how it sort of started off being popular and it's just kind of, kind of grown and grown from there. What do you reckon, Dan? I think, there's a, I, think I do agree with all of that. Um, I think there's a few, few, few factors here. I think the, the, thing, the main one, obviously, is the strength, first of all, is the strength of the novels um, by Ian Fleming. Um, because when you're basing it on such a great series of novels that it's pretty difficult to make a bad job of, of, of that. Because um, the, the, the underlying plot is there. Um, and the characters. Now, <clears throat> the only thing going, concerning me going forward is that Skyfall was actually the last one of those, uh, the last the last Fleming book that they hadn't done, and, and I wasn't particularly impressed with um, Spectre and the writing for Spectre. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe a slight wrinkle for concern going forward but, for the franchise. But I think the, another thing is is that and, and Andrew touched on this at the time is that the context of early Bonds was the Cold War. Uh, and and it, there was there was there were always uh, Spygate stories. Uh, there was Ant- people like Ant- uh, you know Anthony Burgess um, and uh, you know all the traitor stories in the in the U- in the UK and all the Cold War and M- MI5 and CIA and the KGB. And I think people could really relate to it, and it, it really fed into that at the time. And that's one of the things that I think gave it lift off. But I think most of all, on top building on top of those two things, I think it's just the character himself, obviously, which which does come from. Ian Fleming is that it's just the pure indulgence, the hedonism, and overall it's the masculinity of the character. You know, uh, he's got the best cars, mm-hmm. best clothes, the best food, the best wine, yeah. the best women, the best locations. It's just, element, isn't it? It, it is. It's absolutely it's pure indulgence. You know, and every man wants to be him in that respect because mm-hmm. it's the best of the best, and, and and as well as that, he's the embodiment of you know real masculinity. Well, Connery was especially. Yeah. You know. And yeah, I think that, that it just it just it just it was a, a winning formula, and right from the right from Doctor No, it was just it just skyrocketed. I, I think you have both summed it up really well, and the, those two points you have both made about you know you've you've got this sort of formula, as Andrew says, that gives you all these things that particularly in the, in that era are so you know outlandish and far away and uh, as he said exotic locations uh, amazing gadgets and and cars and like the fine dining and you know sharp suits and you know it's it's got a bit of everything and then it it was all all the sins as well like gambling you know killing sex you know it's all these things that this thing the exciting things you know (laughs) (laughs) and as as you say and then you mix that up with, with you know this you know screen god in, in Sean Connery who, who like portrayed from from what I've read obviously I don't know as much about the books as you guys but portrayed 
so much of the Bond characteristics, but brought his own things to it as well. That sort of added to it and made it even more, you know, more of a charismatic character. Because I think, if I understand correctly, I think Fleming's original idea was for to have him to be a bit more of a, you know, less charismatic character. And I think Connery brought that charisma to it. That sort of took it in a slightly different direction and, and added to it. And I, I love that idea of like him bringing his own stuff. And obviously, as you say, yeah. he brings a toughness as well, just from his normal. Allegedly, most m- most of Connery, Connery's um, gags, you know, he used to do was mm. were ad libs from him. Oh, know? I see. Didn't he? And, and you know the um, the uh, the one we I can't think it's in Goldfinger. We puts the um, guy in the bath and throws oh. in the. Fan and shocking. What did he put on his jacket? As well? I bet he's only, most of those kind of things were ad libs from Connery oh, himself. That, so that's amazing because yeah. they are, they add so much to it for me and sort of they they, they give you two aspects of that, <coughs> that bond. I suppose it's like you see in that cold blooded nature and it sort of adds to it that he can just do a one liner like that, but in in a way that's still re- cool. Yeah, yeah, totally, and still retains yeah. his power. Whereas. I think when say Roger Moore does it, it, it it's more. It, it although I do like that, it then becomes more of a comedy. Whereas Connery, it still retains its danger, and I just think that's really a, a really nice way to lead on to my next question, I suppose, which is um, to you first, Dan. It's what's your favourite Bond film and why? For a long, long time, it was from Russia with Love, mm-hmm. um, and it's only just been. Recently overtaken by Casino Royale, I think is my favourite. But um, but they're very much on the on the, on a par for those two for me. But I'll just talk about the oldest one first because mm-hmm. some people might not be familiar with that one. Mainly because it, it's a classic Cold War style thriller, spy thriller. Mm-hmm. There's very little in the way of uh, gadgets, you know. But you've got you've got KG, you, a lot of it set in Turkey. You've got local partisans. You've got people blowing up other factions. You've got. Um, You've got the KGB everywhere. There's a fantastic scene where they where they um, do a reconnaissance on the um, on the underground canals underneath the Russian embassy, and then the next day they go in and steal the the, the decoding machine from the from the embassy itself. And then the whole thing is they've got to get the decoding machine out of Turkey, and then they travel on the Orient Express all the way through sort of uh, the Soviet bloc behind the Iron Curtain, and they're trying to get to Italy, obviously, where it's a safe safe haven this, with, with, with this fantastically important decoding machine. So it's, it's, a, it's absolutely, you know, completely immersed, that storyline, in, in, in the Cold War, and obviously the name of the, the title was from Russia with Love as well. And obviously then you've got one of the best baddies ever in Robert Shaw, who plays kind of dark bond, killer bond, on, 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 from Spectre. And... Um, and, and, and the whole sequence with them, he 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 kills becomes their contact on the way out, and and and, and he's he's he is a fantastic character, oh, so in one one of the all time best Robert Shaw there, because he's he's absolutely enormous, he's like six foot five I think, and he's lean and mean, and he's like Ivan Drago or something, you know, in Rocky. You know, <laughs> do, you know do you know what it reminds me of, Dan? Fully enough, and I don't often mention football in these, but I've got to say. That bit with her in the park and she walks around them reminds me of the Ron Yates Colossus thing. Oh know, yeah, inspecting <laughs> this 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 huge physical specimen and it, that that's what it always reminds me of. But you just to go, to, to agree with your point, Yeti. So it, it was like an almost like an early version of Bourne, where they train this yeah. kind of super spa, super soldier, you know, to go out and do killing orders on behalf of uh, on behalf of Spectre. Mm-hmm. You know, or was it Smurfs? I, I, I don't know which one. And you, <laughs> and you, you believe as well, don't you? You you believe he 
considering how good Connery is and how, as you say, he's brilliant at everything, you believe this guy genuinely has a chance, don't you? Yeah. Oh yeah, and 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 uh, we're going to come on to some other. I'll, t- I'll talk about other bits from that film as we go on later on. But it is absolutely brilliant. Uh, I would recommend it to anybody who hasn't seen it. Great, great shows, great shows. What what about yourself, Andrew? Well, funnily enough, I was. Um, that's probably my favourite, although it, it often fluctuates. But um, obviously, I, I won't talk about that again. I'll talk a bit, little bit about Goldfinger because that was my favourite for a long time and possibly still is. It's certainly. I think it's the most entertaining one, certainly, and. I think if if you if you like Bond films generally, most of the things, the the formula that we were sort of talking about before, most of them basically originated in in Goldfinger. Um, not that they you know touches of it in the first two films, but that when it was sort of really established of yeah. you know opening sequence, um, the the incredible like uh, theme song as well. I I went to watch a, a screening of mm. it um, in the cinema a few years ago now, but. Um, you see the opening, I mean, I knew what was going to happen, but you see the opening scene and it, you know, positively shocking, it is that thing in the bath. And then it's like the theme song comes on and it is so loud and you're like, wow. And it's just incredible, really. And then, yeah, it's got the great, obviously, the Aston Martin with the gadgets, entertaining sort of slightly comedy villain with real, like, tough, iconic henchman um, in Odd Job with his um, bowler hat. Has he got a razor on the rim or some metal on the rim or something like yeah. that? Um, obviously the girl painted in gold. I mean, it's, it's, I suppose in some way now it kind of seems like cliche, but, um, I think probably pound for pound, it's the most, um, entertaining of the bomb films. And so I sort of fluctuate between that and from Russia with love, um, as my favorite, but, um, yeah, I would, I would strongly recommend either of those to anyone who hasn't seen them. Two two great choices by you both there, and I think what what's great about it, and I think it, we'll obviously talk about this in more depth later about those two choices. Is they were back to back films, and they're so different. Obviously, they do have some of the same formula as we've said, but uh, you know, as Dan said, From Russia with Love is a lot more of a a thriller, whereas this is more of your staple James Bond sort of you know fun. Fun ride, thrill ride, I suppose, is a, is a way I'd describe it. And back to back, and they're so different, and they're both brilliant in, in, in some very different ways, but also in some similar ways. And I think Goldfinger was definitely the one that went to, took it into the stratosphere, the yeah. popularity. And I, I always remember this interview with McCartney, Paul McCartney, mm-hmm. and he, he, he said um, that everybody had to have, who was anybody, had to have the DB9. And McCartney would just go around Liverpool in his DB9, oh, picking up girls, saying, "Hey, do you want to come for a ride in my DB9?" Oh, brilliant! <laughs> yeah, it's like everybody had to have one because you know, obviously, they could afford them being in the Beatles. Oh, and all that, fantastic! Right? And it's ironic as well because in that film, they actually make a joke at the Beatles' expense, don't they? They say something like, "Bond says something like the only way to to enjoy the Beatles is with earmuffs or something." I think is one of the lines he says. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you know, and obviously later, as we know that we'll touch on later, McCartney does his own his own Bond song, which obviously is fantastic. Yeah. But that's a different story. But oh no, uh, you're right. That I think that's where it really went big. And I mean, I don't know whether other people have this, but like, I, I, I when I was younger, I, I ha- and I've still got it to some extent with certain things. Sometimes you have mental blocks. And I think because I grew up with that more era and obviously it was more, things were a lot more colourful just in general. I had this idea that 
the Connery bonds would drab and things like that, obviously how wrong I was. And Goldfinger was the one that made me realise, oh my word, you know, I, I, I stumbled, it was on one time and I sort of left it on. And it's so colourful and so fun. And that was what made me watch the others and see how, how great they really were. Obviously, I'd heard about them and I knew they were good anyway, but they just didn't appeal to me. And that was that was my gateway, I suppose, to the Connery Bonds. And I think with us mentioning the formula, I don't know whether you'd agree, the beauty of Goldfinger is, as well as maybe setting that template, you know, in terms of bringing in most of those things, near enough everything in it in terms of those different aspects. Uh, they, if we were having like I know we'll be touching on some of them later they're all vying for the winner in each thing you know theme song you know car you know henchman bad guy they're all in terms yeah. of throughout the Bond film gadget with with the the, the, the laser as well yeah the torture it, scene laser torture scene <laughs> yeah you're right it's near enough everything in it you know Bond moments like the, the you know yeah getting out of the wetsuit and that. It's full of these iconic moments and you just echo you both. Two two great shouts then. Uh, I'm now going to look at, obviously we've, we've sort of mentioned this slightly, but we haven't really examined it in terms of your perspectives. I'm going to look at who 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 is your favourite Bond. So not necessarily the best, although you can tell us that as well. That'd be interesting to hear. But who's your favourite Bond? And I'll start with you on this one, please, Andrew. Well, I might have given it away already, I guess. But mm-hmm. um, for me, it's definitely... Connery, um, you know, you talking about uh, sort of like the Roger Moore era, I've always preferred the slightly more sort of realistic end of it. So probably Mm -hmm. Connery, Daniel Craig, Timothy Dalton to a lesser extent. I just think, as we've sort of touched on, I think Connery is just sort of believable as 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 a spy, basically, as this sort of tough guy going around killing people and and doing stuff like that with the, you know, the occasional quip and stuff. But and very charming. Whereas for me, Roger Moore, you'd, I just never sort of really believed that he'd be, you know, beating these guys up or whatever that he'd either want to, or that he could do or whatever. So, yeah, I think again, as I, as I mentioned, whether it's from watching the films kind of in order. So it was essentially the first bonds that I saw properly sort of films all the way through from start to finish. But um, no, it's, uh, it's definitely Connery for me. And I, I'm going to have to be boring, I'm afraid, and, 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 and pile on with Connery. Um, <laughs> It's because, um, what I want is I want I want him to be suave. I want him to be handsome, but I also want him to have the, to be physically credible. Yeah. Right. And he has to be able to physically kick the shit out of bad guys. Right. Mm-hmm. And Connery could do that. He was a big lad, Connery. And the only one who can really do it apart from him is is is, is Daniel Craig, who's is pretty credible in, in in his physical stuff. Now I think the likes of Moore and Brosnan, um, they. They had to substitute uh, more in the, in his earliest films wasn't so bad, but they they had to substitute the physicality with comedy yeah. because they couldn't do the physical side in in a convincing enough way. And now they Connery and Brosnan and uh, Roger Moore both made good films. Don't get me wrong, but overall I prefer Connery and Craig. And the, but the biggest problem with the other two with the, with, the, with the, they substituted the comedy in, but they also were too old um, and they went on too long. I mean. Pierce Brosnan um, got the role in 1995, but he was originally going to get it in 1986 before Timothy Dalton. But he was tied into like an American TV network contract, and he couldn't break it. Yeah. I think it was Remington Steel or something like that. 
Um, but if he'd got the role in the mid-80s, I think it would have been a lot better for him. Um, but, I mean, as it was, his first couple of films were pretty good. I enjoyed those with GoldenEye and Tomorrow Never Dies, but the last couple were pretty pretty ropey, to be honest. But, yeah, um, physicality, good. Too much comedy, not, not, not for me. A little bit is a good thing, like we said, but yeah. Yeah, too much, uh, is it, yeah. Couldn't agree more. I think, uh, as you can probably tell... Moore's my favourite for the reasons I've mentioned grow, growing up with him and things like that, but I think his films also, because of that more comedic you know, tone to it and things like that, uh, more light-hearted, I think because of that they date more as well, whereas the Connery ones are more timeless to me anyway. Uh, even though Moore tends to be my favourite, I'm, I'm more likely these days to watch a Connery than a Moore, and I think that's probably a large part of it and I agree with you both I, I, I think it is I think Daniel Craig said he wanted to look like he could believably break someone's neck and I think Connery had that anyway and I think he was a tough guy in real life and I think that definitely yeah. played a part as well and I think you do have to believe that and I think although Moore did at times bring this to, to, to the role he admits himself he, he, he didn't have that sort of anywhere in his character that sort of cold-blooded nature so it was harder for him to do that so it was more natural to bring you know the comedy side of things so no uh, I, if you can't really look past Connery so it's a bit like what I said with the um, Goldfinger before I suppose if you look at Connery he's got the lot hasn't he and he hasn't just got them he's got them to an, an extremely high standard yeah I think I think in terms of in terms of sophistication and suaveness, I think the the best one was definitely Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. Um, and I think he had the best delivery of Jet Bond, James Bond, of, of any of any of them he could do. And um, you know, my missus definitely agrees he's the most handsome of all of the <laughs> Bonds as well. In that respect, so <laughs> so you think he's doing something right? But um, he, he just he, he, he was he was he was really really good in large parts of the role. Just not the fighting. Yeah, I'd agree. But the other thing I like about Bond, and uh, I'd imagine you would agree as well, is the, the beauty of these different type of actors doing it, it forces the filmmakers to go in different directions, so it always keeps it fresh to some degree. They all bring something different to the party. I know, like, Timothy Dalton's films have been criticised, but I really enjoy them, and it's a different type of bond, and, you know, there's, some, there's something to that, that it, it does force them to take it in little directions and maybe freshen it up. I know it doesn't always work, but... No, I think they they all bring something to the party, no doubt. And 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 in, de- and in defense of Roger Moore, uh, there is something. He is a bit of a clothes horse. He does look good in a suit, uh, yeah. uh, and you know, I mean, any man who can carry off a safari suit as well as he can. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot to there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah, no, I, I think it's one of them though as well. I imagine Connery would just say no. There's no way I'm wearing that, and that'll be the end of it. Whereas I think Moore, Moore was probably a much more. Uh, Complying with requests like that, I'm sure. But yeah, the safari, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the raised eyebrow as well. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. But I, f- I feel a bit bad on him. I, I do still love him as well. But there are yeah. bits, and as you say, I think he was two years older than Connery when he got it. You know, than Connery yeah. actually was. And I think, although that it meant for the first few films, he was he was sort of like a peak age. As you say, he, he, he was he was near enough a pensioner by the last one, wasn't he? If yeah. I recall correctly. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the last octopusy and Beauty were killed. They they were just too too far. Yeah. No. Yes. Yeah. 
Totally agree. Totally agree. We're now going to look at obviously we've mentioned these the formula and we're going to look at the, the, some of the different parts of that formula. We're now going to look at the the great Bond villains and henchmen. Um, do you have a, a particular favourite, Dan? Well, I've got a few, but I'll do one and then I'll let these have one of his. But um, I just want to say, live and let die, okay? Yeah. Because I think it's got the best collection of villains of oh, any yeah. film. Because it wasn't just one of them. It was. It was. It was. There was Kananga, Mister Big, yeah. and and then you had Tihi with his metal hand, <laughs> cutting hand. You had Baron Samadhi, the voodoo guy, priest. <laughs> uh, uh, that was just that, that. That film there was absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, that was at the, 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 the that was when they tried to make it first time. I think he went to. Uh, New York, and it was the, I think it was the peak of the black exploitation cinema scene and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, um, it was it was just a fantastic. And what's a, what's a collective noun for a group of villains? Gaggle of villains. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, that was that was one of my favourites. I, I love that film. That that's possibly my favourite, to be honest with you. And that's one of the key reasons that the different types of bad guy as well. And like you know, I, I think probably. He's very memorable to me because he's sort of uh, uh, obviously he's, he's huge and very very strong and he's got that arm, but he's also he's got like a sense of humour and he like takes joy in 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 the badness he's doing. There's something about that that's really watchable for me. So no, uh, I, I love those shouts. What about yourself, Andrew? I think mine's probably Scaramanga from the Man with the Golden oh, Gun. Brilliant. Oh yeah. Just kind of like an anti-Bond, if you like, sort of very similar kind of person to Bond, but obviously a, a bad guy. Um, and obviously Christopher Lee's pretty much amazing in, in most things, to be honest. So, uh, yeah, I think he's mine. Um, I echo what you said about Live and Let Die, um, another one of my favourites of the films, and, and a great collection of, of bad guys. Of the more recent ones, I did quite enjoy um, Javier Bardem as Silver in Skyfall, in that it's sort of... Yep a bit crazy and camp, but sort of just the right side of the line. doesn't really go too far. So of the more recent ones, I reckon he's probably the, uh, the best, but um, no, probably Scaramanga best one overall. I would think. I think we're agreeing here. There was uh, Christopher Lee and, and Javier Bardem were also my ones as well. So well, there we go. There we <laughs> but, go. Yeah. Uh, Javier Bardem does that sort of borderline insanity thing really well, better than pretty much any other ones. I think in the whole series, yeah, definitely. Got that brooding menace, but he's really erratic. He's a genius, but he's erratic. He's, you know, and uh, yeah, so and fantastic character. A couple of minor ones I wanted to ask. One of my absolute favourites is in Tomorrow Never Dies. He's a really minor character called Dr. Kaufman. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> and he's said to kill him. And he, I don't know, maybe the fact that he's so matter of fact German and <laughs> um, he's an assassin and he's a forensic doctor or whatever. You know, but he is just an awesome minor bad guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, and, and one of the, one I have to mention is Famke Jansen as Xenia on a top in Goldeneye. <laughs> so that was a personal favourite of mine. I, I can't figure out why, but no, she 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 is fantastic, <laughs> and I, I, I think she really helps Brosnan as well because they sort of their clashes yeah. are just really good, aren't they? they you know when. You know, she she was very as well as well as being gorgeous. Obviously, she was very uh, very believably tough. You know, you yes, and, and she had that. She she another one of those. Obviously, they all have this to some extent, but she really did take pleasure in 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 inflicting pain. I think he, if I recall correctly, there's a bit where she's she's being pulled by the the, the sort of rope, and she's I think she's 
firing away with the machine gun, and she's she's in ecstasy, isn't she? Yeah, no, yeah. It's a couple of See, great it's, shots. It's, it's, it's that that is going to some pretty weird shit because she's oh, getting yeah. sort of kind of semi-orgasmic while she's machine gunning a room full of defenseless people. It's pretty pretty weird shit. It is. It's, uh, I <laughs> think that that's a bit like Silver, though, isn't it? I think when the, yeah. they have that extra element of you know really weirdly mad. It gives it an extra fear factor because I think Bond, say, obviously they're all, there's a lot of megalomaniacs and things like that, but say a Goldfinger or someone like that, Bond can more reason with them, with logic and things, whereas the likes of Silver, it's not possible, do you know what I mean? They're, they're more unhinged, or at least that's my impression. But no, some some great shouts there. I think another one I'd like to shout out to is... Uh, Sean Bean, Alex Trevelyan in GoldenEye, I think he's a really yeah. good bad guy, and I think the, yeah. there's a theme with the ones I like anyway, or some of the ones is, like, they're all to some extent mirror images, so Red Grant is a mirror image of yeah. sort of the physical nature of Bond, um, Scaramanga's a, a mirror image of the sort of marksmanship, and then, obviously, with Alex Trevelyan, he, he's the mirror image of the whole. He's also mm. been a spy and a, simil- a similarly skilled guy, but with this grudge and ex-friends and just, you know, I just think that was a really good dynamic, so I suppose... Well, yeah, yeah it's the same Alex Trevelyan and Javier Bardem and Silva. They were both yeah. double O's, ex-double O's, weren't they? So. Yeah, so that gives them that extra, you know, skill level, I suppose, that... that they know a lot of the same tricks and have a lot of the same training, but there's just so many. We could go on forever, uh, uh, really, you, with you guys. There's, there's just so many, but I love those shouts. Um, we're now going to look at another thing it's very famous for is the, the Bond girls. And do you have a particular favourite, Andrew? There are a lot to choose from. There's normally three or four in every film, so it's probably uh, <laughs> quite difficult to, to pick a favourite. I've always had a soft spot for uh, Diana Rigg in On A Majesty's Secret Service. I think she's oh, really yeah. good. And it's kind of, I think, because they were going with George Lazenby, who was basically just a tough-looking model, um, I think they needed like a really strong sort of good actress in the in the main sort of Bond girl role in that one and um and she's really good I'm trying to think of um of another favorite I like as well a uh, lady called Maud Adams who plays Octopussy and she's also in the man with the golden gun just because mm-hmm. I think she was good in the later Bond films because she actually looks roughly Roger Moore's age whereas a lot of his Bond girls in when his last few films looked like they were basically his granddaughter which is no good yeah. Yeah. um so <laughs> <laughs> I mean, especially that. Well, obviously, there's that one he turns down in For Your Eyes Only. But the um, the main Bond girl in View to a Kill, I think Roger Moore was older than her mum or something when they were oh. filming it. And it's like, yeah, the, you know, we've as you've said, he sort of stayed on a film or two too long, probably. But um, no, Maud Adams is uh, is really good and sort of a match for for the uh, slightly more doddery Roger Moore. I think they're probably a couple. They're definitely a couple of my favourites. Trying to think. Dan, you got any I got other? I got, you got any yeah, I got a couple. You, you have a thing, but um, there's honestly, there, there's so many. <laughs> Joe, there's so there is, there many hot, hot women uh, in James. Right, I want to give a shout out for some of the more recent ones. Right, mm-hmm. the world is not enough. Not particularly great film, but probably the two, the best looking double act, Denise Richards and Sophie Marceau in The World Is Not Enough it's just amazing mm-hmm. both those two like double trouble <laughs> both, and I have to say as well that Die Another Day which is an even, even worse film oh, Halle Berry 
Halle Berry in that film is just unbelievable. She, she even comes out the sea better than Ursula Andress. I mean, and that's saying Oh, no, I'm, I'm going to fight you on that one, Kenneth, I'm afraid. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> Ursula Andress is a good shout. And um, as soon as you said recent films, Vespa Lynch just popped into my head straight away. I don't know why I didn't oh, think yeah. of that before. Eva Green is amazing. Yeah, yeah. No. She's probably the best um, of the recent bunch for me, I think. Mm. Some great shouts there. The one um, just, in, just in terms of pure gorgeousness, mm-hmm. though, not necessarily great characters. Um, I mean, the, the probably the best looking of all is, is Britt Eklund, because it's just because it's Britt Eklund, you know, Miss World. But her, in The Man with the Golden Gun, she's an absolutely awful character. Yeah. An awful bimbo character. But she's, she's so, you know, she's just Britt Eklund, isn't it, you know? Sure. Um, Mrs. Mrs. Ringo Starr oh, in yeah. Um, yeah. Spy Who Loved Me, Barbara Bach. And yeah, yeah Alice um, Yeah. Oh, and Mariam Darbo in The Living Daylights as well. Oh, no, the, you're, you're right, there's so many. I think the one yeah. I fell in love with when I was when I was a, a, youngster, a youngster was a Jane Seymour, a solitaire in oh, Living Left Eye. She was just breathtaking. And, um, but, again, not much to her character. It doesn't really do much. But you mentioned that then, Dan, um, Anya Ramasova in The Spy Loves Me, as you say, Mrs. Ringo Starr. She, she was just fantastic. She was... She was every inch a match for Bond, and they were one up in each other right the way through it. And she was, you know, she she was given as good as she got, often getting the better of them. And I just, I loved that sort of chemistry and that dynamic between them throughout. And obviously, knowing full well that eventually it would come to a head with the fact that Bond uh, killed their former lover. But yeah, I think she was. She's probably my favourite because she she had a lot. Obviously, like all Bond girls, she was amazingly beautiful, but she was an equally good spy as as Bond was, and that was great. Yeah, to Triple see. X, Agent. <laughs> oh, that's it. Yeah, Agent Triple X. Oh, brilliant. No, re- really good. I'm now going to look at uh, some of the other things that that Bond's famous for, and some of these are my absolute favourites. The the gadgets. Do you do you have a particular favourite gadget at all, Dan? Yes, um, I well, I don't know if it, I can actually um, I, I narrow it down to one. I think in terms of the the, the, the earliest and the most, as I've already touched on, is the DB5 in Goldfinger. Eject a seat, oh. <laughs> machine guns, <laughs> bulletproof shields, or slicks, or the oil leaks as well. And, oh, it's, just, and it's, it's gorgeous just, as well as I know, it's just It's an Aston Martin, isn't yeah. it? Aston, Aston, Aston Martin is the James Bond car. I mean, we tried BMW, we tried Lotus... But, uh, speaking of Lotus, the Lotus, the underwater Lotus oh, as yeah. well. Spy love me when he drives. I think, yeah, he, he, they, they drive off the pier and he, they're being chased and you think, you know, what's going on here? And then when it first t- converts into the underwater car, that was just whoa. <laughs> I had that <laughs> toy was, like, as a 19... kid. Oh no way! Oh, <laughs> like nineteen seventy-seven, the underwater oh. car, and it was Lotus was pretty gorgeous as well. To be yeah. fair, yeah, yeah. So there, there are a couple to start with anyway. Before wow. I, Andrew. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, they're good shouts. I suppose our cars, gadgets, that's probably a different debate. But um, I think for me, the best one, um, one of the films we've touched on already from Russia with Love, he has this kind of briefcase that's got like a knife in it. It's got like a gas canister thing. Um, It's got like some gold sovereigns in. In some ways, that sounds like quite a tame gadget. But for me, I've not been always been a massive fan of the gadgets where you know, at the start of the film, they say, right, here you are, Bond. Here's something completely random, which we don't know you'll need. And then, as luck would have it, by the end of the film, he, he probably needs it in some um, situation. Well, he actually, like, 
He actually says in that, doesn't he? He says something like, I don't think I'll be needing that briefcase on this mission or something, I think, if I recall correctly. Uh, uh, as the audience, you're obviously thinking, I've got a suspicion you will need it. Yeah, exactly. And it, it also, for me, kind of seems like something that, you know, a spy in those days probably would realistically be given. You know, it's not that outlandish, but it, it, it's sort of potentially quite useful as it as it proves later in the film. Wanted to give a quick shout out as well for um, in Live and Let Die, Baron Samadhi's got like a flute that turns into a radio. And you don't hear much about um, <laughs> gadgets for the villains, but um, that's always uh, that's always impressed me. But um, I think that's in the later films, yeah, I think in the later films, the gadgets were just getting silly. I mean, obviously, probably can't talk Bond without talking about the invisible car in Die Another oh. Day as probably oh, the no. ultimate low point. But then I think, I think it, it's right. either... Either die another day or the world is not enough. I can't remember exactly which one, but he's got like a sort of inflatable puffer jacket that turns into a ball or something that protects him from an avalanche. And it's like, you know, we had no idea you were going to snow, but we'll give you this puffer jacket anyway. And uh, it sort of saves the day. So um, I'm not always a fan of the gadgets, but uh, there has been a few classic ones down the years, certainly. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. Sometimes when it goes to excess and I think that, that, that helped to k- kill off that era of Bond, that invisible car, I think. When it goes to excess, it, it does take something away from the film. And obviously, the Craig era has had a lot less of that type of thing. And rightly so, if, it, if, you, if you're talking in, in invisible cars and things like that. I think my favourite, obviously, it, it, a lot of my things have come from Live and Let Die, but it can't be helped. I do love it. Is it that, that, that a magnetic watch? Now it's funny. Obviously, it's not necessarily even that even that um, useful necessarily. But as a kid, there was just something really cool about it, and I think it was really great as well the way they used it to, at one stage wrong foot you know, in terms of now he'll just use his magnetic watch to get the boat, and obviously the boat's tired and he can't get it. But obviously, it does come in useful later. But that was something I always wanted. And he's, <laughs> I think you know, it. You, go on, sorry. No, I was going to say, I think it's sort of that gadget probably sets the tone for the Roger Moore films because it's really early on and he uses it to undo a woman's dress or something. And he's like, yeah, yeah. Sheer, mag- sheer magnetism, darling, and all this. And it's, uh, <laughs> that's basically the Roger Moore films condensed into one gadget and sort of scene in his very first yeah. one, I think, probably. Also, I think he's 45 and he's having to hire the woman in the wardrobe from his boss. It was just like, yeah. you know what I mean? I think she was she was from another consulate or something, so there was probably more, more to it than that. But yeah, no, I think you're right. That, that. Just, I've got a couple of others I want to mention, um, and they're both from Con- the Connery era. The first one is the jetpack in Thunderball. Oh, yeah. Now, it, 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 it's just the kind of thing, because I don't think anybody had seen a jetpack before. And it was like 1967. And and it's a bit of a contrived scene. It's just the whole thing is just contrived to get him to use the jetpack so he can then escape. But it's just the fact that he uses a jetpack on the screen and no one else has even seen before. And they they thought a man can fly under his his own control. Um, And that was just, you know, but I can't can't only imagine watching that in in the 60s for the first time and seeing a man with a jetpack. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, and, and as you say, uh, I think we touched on it earlier, no one will have seen it, as you say, and just the excitement seeing something like that will bring into your life, because it's still exciting now, you know, to me, yeah. having something like that. So in, in the 60s, yeah, no, fantastic. You and, and the other one, also Connery, um, is was it in um, is Little Nelly oh, in yeah. You Only Live Twice. The helicopter, yeah. And 
Yeah, the little gyrocopter, little one-man gyrocopter. And um, he just brings it in a suitcase, I think. Q, Q comes over and brings it in a suitcase. And he, and he says, what is this, Bonson? Uh, Bonson, he says, oh, she's a wonderful little girl. And he just puts it together <laughs> in fast motion. And it's just a little one-man thing where he goes on a reconnaissance mission. It's just that, again, in the 60s. A one-man helicopter. <laughs> What's the chance of that? And, and, and again, like, you'd still love it now, wouldn't you? You would love yeah. to, to go in Little Nelly. Oh, no. It's just that he's bigger, it's better, it's never been done before. He's the first one to do it. He's pushing the boundaries. He's you know leading-edge technology and gadgets. It's just, yeah. And he's, yeah, all, that's, he's that's, always good at it as well. He, he, he sometimes has the odd little initial problem, but he, he always ends up brilliant with them because it's just the type of guy he is, you know what I mean? Now, um, some, some great shouts again there. I think that's probably a good good point to have a short break. So if, if you just uh, join us in a couple of moments, we'll be back with some more bombs. You're listening to the Anfield Index. The Anfield Index. That's incredible. Podcast channel. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Okay, I'm now going to look at some of the great opening scenes and or great stunts that Bond's famous for. Um, do you have any particular favourites, Andrew? I think you'd have to go a long way to look past the um, parkour stuff in, at the start of Casino Royale is really good. Uh, we're sort of chasing a guy over a building site and up a crane and things like that. I think the uh, bungee jump in Goldeneye... Um, yeah. Definitely. Particularly um, as it was the first Bond for, for six years at that point, and sort of coming back with a new Bond actor, and obviously, you, well, <clears throat> you knew who, who it was, obviously, but like you, you hadn't really seen him properly, and then he's sort of, yeah, running along this dam and uh, does this incredible jump off it. So I think... And then they, and then they break into a Russian base. Yes. Kick ass. It, yes. It's like a Russian... In deep inside Russia somewhere, you know. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like a sort of classic Bond opening to to sort of restart the series, but also with that, yeah, that incredible sort of, I don't think it's a bungee jump, he doesn't go back up, but you know what I mean, it's sort of like a bungee yeah, jump yeah. anyway. So, I mean, that that's definitely um, one of them. Obviously, the, the Goldfinger one we sort of briefly mentioned earlier, where 
it starts off and you just sort of see this duck floating on the water, but then really it's just a sort of <laughs> head thing that he's wearing and he's in a wetsuit and then he undoes the wetsuit to reveal a perfect like white tuxedo and stuff. <laughs> so, I mean, again, it's more sort of iconic moments of the, of the Bond series, albeit not much happens in that apart from he blows something up, but, and, and yeah, kills a guy in the bath. But, um, Again, it's he, iconic. He, just, just to be clear, he, 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 go, he, he comes out of the sea. <laughs> he destroys an industrial complex with, 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 di- with bombs and dynamite and timers. Andrew's got very high standards. I have yeah. got high standards, he, exactly. He, ta- he takes off his wetsuit to reveal an amazing tuxedo and goes straight <laughs> into a casino. <laughs> All right, that, I suppose that is quite good. I'll give you that. That is quite good. Only other one that springs to mind is... Um, is uh, Octopussy when he basically flies a small plane through a through a barn, which doesn't sound that exciting, but when you see the film, it, it is. And particularly, that's not an especially good film, but it's it's quite a good opening sequence. I, I think I think the Goldeneye one is really really good because I mean, as somebody said to me when when it became apparent we were doing this that, that it was a fantastic um, game. I think on, on the oh, Super oh, Nintendo, I think it was. amazing. It was a really a really good first-person shooter game, and um, that sequence where you go into the Russian base and then he he, he, he manages to blow it up from the inside, and then he gets the plane, doesn't need to get out of there at the same time, and the plane looks like it's going to crash and all that. That's a really good scene. A couple of ones I've already mentioned is from from Mush with Love because the opening sequence there is the Red Grant training scene and him killing James Bond, or you know a, a person who looks like Connery. Yeah. Uh, you know in this in this in this training complex in. Um, uh, and then you know he kills, but we, we kill who you think is Bond. All the lights go on, and they lift up the mask, and there's Rosa Kleb and others there. So that that's that's a really good one because that was really clever. And the other one I really want to mention is um, Live and Let Die, where the three British agents all get killed at the start of the film, and obviously the ones with Baron Samadhi and you know in, in the Caribbean with the snake. But the one I always remember from being a kid was the going to New Orleans, oh, and it, yeah, and he gets stabbed at the bus stop. And there's a there's a um, funeral thing come down the road, <laughs> and then the guy just dies. They pick him up inside the coffin, and then it just becomes a street carnival <laughs> after that. I just like it's, and then yeah, the, the woman's crying. The guy, the guy, the mourners playing the blues music, and then oh, that 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 is a really good opening sequence as well. And it's got a great line as well. I think he asks, doesn't he, whose funeral is it? And he just gets told yours, and then, as you say, stopped, and then the next minute, it, you know, it's party time. So no, that that that's one of my favourites as well. But you both mentioned it, the Golden Eye one, particularly setting up a new Bond who maybe some people were sceptical about. You know, obviously everybody knew he he, he looked great, but they were sceptical about how he could handle action and stuff, and obviously another you know, stuntmen involved and stuff. But I just think that was a, an absolute brilliant. Uh, opening sequence with you know it's so good in so many ways you know from the the bungee jump to the plane the, every bit of it's just the perfection it, really. it, it, it is a good film gold night it's, yeah. it's, it's it's definitely in, it's definitely in the, in the top 10 for me yeah i definitely. agree i agree um it's you know it's a pity as we've mentioned that some of the later brosnan ones didn't give him the same quality to work with but that was definitely you know he started with a bang there now going to look at a Favorite Bond theme songs. Um, do you have any particular favorites, Dan? Uh, being a fan of uh, rock music generally, uh, it's got to be Chris Cornell uh, doing "You Know My Name" for Casino Royale because you know he's Chris Cornell from Soundgarden, mm-hmm. uh, and he's he's a brilliant vocalist, great great uh, rock vocalist anyway, and it's a, it's an absolute belt in 
belting rock track for the Daniel Craig era. I, love, I absolutely love that one. And the imagery um, as well at the same time is great, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And the other one I really want to call out, and because it's probably because one of the first ones I bought on cassette when I was younger, <laughs> was, it was Duran Duran of You to a Kill. Brilliant. That was a really good one. That was a, it was a it was the only good thing about that film, to be honest. <laughs> was the was the was the, was the theme song the, the Duran Duran that was really good. I'm, I, I might be getting mistaken here. Am I right in thinking one of the baddies at one point is listening to a Walkman with it on, or about, is that my memory? <laughs> <laughs> there, there were a few mad bits in that one, like, but yeah. uh, it could be just my memory playing tricks. What, what about you, Andrew? For me, I don't think you can look past um, Nobody Does It Better from The Spy Who Loved Me by mm. Carly yeah. Simon, I think. Yeah. It's just. Yeah. It's, I, I don't honestly know if it was written specifically for that, but I mean, she's, you know, the song was basically talking about Bond. It sums it up perfectly. It's a great tune. And to be honest, I, I'm a fan of pretty much all of them, apart from the Madonna one's rubbish and the, the Jack White, Alicia Keys one was pretty crap. But um, pretty much all the theme songs are, are pretty good. I even uh, particularly like On A Majesty's Secret Service, oh, yeah. which is actually instrumental, so it's not really a song as such, but... Um, that's just a really brilliant tune as well. So it is. I agree with Andrew there because you know I, I think I like Cheryl Crow on Tomorrow Never Dies and and also yep. um, Garbage uh, doing The World Is Not Enough and you know they, they, these were like sort of minor what you can think minor minor bands or minor minor artists um, but I think they were all pretty good to be honest. Like that. There's not that many bad ones. I, I, I didn't like the um, Sam Smith one. I have to say. Oh no, no, I've forgotten about that. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah. Uh, Adele was okay, but because uh, she was getting towards a bit more like. Bassy almost, you know, but um, the the Sam Smith one wasn't wasn't for me. But. Yeah, no, uh, 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 tend to. Oh, also, big big shout out for another eighties child is uh, Aha, the Living Daylights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit more poppy. It's oh, that, the I was getting ever. mixed up before. I think the Walkman yeah. scene is actually in the Living Daylights. I think I think the Walkman bit is in the Living Daylights, if I recall correctly. Yeah, no, yeah, that's a, that's another brilliant one. Apparently, Aha didn't like their ver- the version of it that that went in the film. They didn't really get on with John Barry or something because. Oh, I see. There's 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 a version of the Living Daylights. It's just a track on one of their albums, which and they prefer that version. It's not really got any of the orchestration on it. But yeah, for some reason they fell out with John Barry and they didn't really like the actual Bond theme version. So I'll have to mm. listen to that here just to see see what's different about it. I think um, there's a couple that stand out for me. As you live and let die, I think is fantastic. Yeah, and when they use that again in the action scenes too, it gives the film an extra sort of momentum and I, I love that as well I, I had i remember reading about it and like mccartney wrote it obviously i think it was mccartney and wings who did it in the film but after he wrote yeah. it and obviously we know how, how great it is i think they wanted somebody else to sing it and they were like trying to get him to let somebody else sing it and he was like no this <laughs> is mine i'm gonna be singing it and thank, thank god he did because it's just brilliant Obviously, we've talked a lot about the things we love about Bond, and obviously there's there's so much we do love and so many films we do love, but um, are there any particular Bond films that you haven't liked or or anything like that, or any particular scenes even that stand out that you think, you know, you, you, you really disliked? And I'll start with you on this one, Andrew. Well, I should sort of preface this by saying I've only seen it once, but I was pretty disappointed with Spectre to be honest the most recent one yeah. um, I'm not saying it's the worst one because it isn't but it's sort of the obviously the, the latest one and um, yeah I just found it quite sort of long and stodgy and not that many um, good scenes not entirely without good scenes but then I think pretty much all the films have, have got some 
merit to them in, in some way or another. As much as I, I mean, I, I don't dislike the films, but as much as I like the Connery films, I think by the last couple, Thunderball and You Only Live Twice, he's kind of sleepwalking through it a little bit. And again, I, I you know, I think they could be, they could probably be better. And the, the last couple of more ones, um, I mean, View to a Kill, I do find, um, entertaining, but, um, it is just basically rubbish from start to finish. Um, <laughs> So bad, it's good. Yeah, it, it probably is a bit of that. Um, and, and like you were saying about sort of specific scenes, I mean, nothing hugely springs to mind. But to be honest, with the with the Bond films, I think pretty much all of them have got good bits and bad bits. And obviously, the better ones have far more good bits. But a lot of them have got sort of cheesy scenes in, or like I said earlier, sort of gadgets that are they're a bit lame and stuff. So, um, but they're they're the ones that sort of spring to my mind. I don't know what Dan thinks. Yeah, I think I think the one um, I was most disappointed with ever was Quantum of Solace because it came after Casino Royale, which is absolutely belting. Um, and the problem with Quantum of Solace is, um, is it was in the middle of the, the Hollywood writers' strike, and it, the, the, the whole the filming with it was suspended for a while, like like all American network TV shows were. And the problem was, instead of instead of just coming back and waiting, and you know they didn't want to stop production, they ended up, and, and, and it, the script went nowhere. It was a right hodgepodge, botched job. You know, it was it was just it was so it was so disappointing. It was boring, um, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, and you know you could just see the plot wasn't there. And I think maybe if they had the writers there, like you know you could say they maybe they were a victim of the strike. Maybe it might have been better, but yeah, that was that was really bad. But the other thing, the other thing is, is a recurring theme is the final ones from from the Bonds. Um, I thought um, Diamonds Are Forever is is really poor from uh, Connery. Um, uh, the last two from More Octopussy and View to a Kill, I, I don't like. I don't like those films at all. I don't mind For Your Eyes only, to be honest. But it's the, the two after it, um, Die Another Day for um, oh, God, it's just it's just it's really bad. You know, we mentioned the car. But then you know the way the surfing on the, oh, the oh, terrible tidal way, yeah, just awful. And, and I don't like the living. De- I, don't, I don't like um, a license to kill either with Timothy Dalton's second one. So yeah, the, 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 I think I think they've got. There's been a problem with knowing when to go out, going out at the top and leaving, leaving the fans wanting more. You know, um, I guess I guess the the, the archetype of one of that is, is when George Lazenby came in, he bombed, really, he was hated. And he was, he was, te- he was terrible. He is easily the worst Bond ever. Uh, and then they had to get Connery back, and you know when Connery was a bit, you know, when he could, yeah, and, and that was a, but that was a really bad film, Diamonds of Forever. So, yeah, yeah. So, some great shouts there. Uh, I, I, I agree with most of them. I do like License to Kill, but I know that sort of splits people. Um, but some great shouts there for like some of the poorer Bonds. Um, there's a quite a few bad scenes, but one that always made me cringe. I'm not sure what Connery one it was. Uh, the one where there's two girls in the pool and he puts the head oh, on the. And I just that's, oh, that's Diamonds Are Forever. Oh, that 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 Bambi and Thumper. Yeah, that to me that's a, that's a, that's an awful moment. But and I think you mentioned before I, what I I love aspects of this film, the man with the golden gun, but it's got some really distasteful bits and like. You know, I think Britt Eklund's character, uh, another woman comes and he makes her go in the in the in the wardrobe and and just yeah. uh, she goes in the boot of a car at one point. Yeah, as yeah, well. and there's just and you know I don't know there's bits of that I think that could have been a great film because the and oh and the karate bit off to the karate bit you know with the dojo it, it's like a different film 
in the middle of it for me. You know, I know some mm. people probably like it, but it just felt like a different film shoehorned in again to appeal to like the the you know the martial arts market. Whereas I think if it had just concentrated on that that dynamic of you know the world's best assassin versus the world's best spy, that's so mm. rich to me. And the the character clash between them could have been amazing. But it, it, I still enjoy the film. But there's just some bits that really you know I don't I don't like at all. One of the ones which is a little bit these days a little bit uncomfortable watching back at the time is the Sheriff J.W. Pepper oh, scenes yeah. from oh, yeah. Living Let Die <laughs> and um, yeah it's the undercurrent of I think it's Deep South racism and rednecks isn't it basically and it is a little bit I, fi- I do find it a little bit uncomfortable watching those scenes yeah. back now totally um, agree I think it's, yeah. it's, it's one thing laughing at this redneck sheriff for being a fool but at times it's, it's sort of trying to get you to laugh at him being a racist and it's just uncomfortable isn't it the way the way he's obviously you know treating some of the people in it and just I think he does it again in the the Golden Gun as well doesn't he yeah they bring it back for some reason don't they yeah yeah, it's a really strange character to bring back but I suppose that's another thing that that would only happen in that sort of more era but yeah no not a big fan of of him either obviously we've we've talked now about some of the bad ones is there any um any maybe underrated films that people you would recommend to anyone listening that they mightn't have seen it or they maybe haven't gave it a chance, any of them, that you'd recommend people to either visit for the first time or revisit them? I would make a plea to have you to, to go out and watch From, from Russia With Love because I think it is, it's, a, it's a fantastic spy thriller in its own right. If you like that genre, you'll love it. But the other one I was going to call out was The Living Daylights because it's not it's not really on TV very often. No. Um and I think it is. It's a very good. It's, a, it's again. It's quite stripped down. Not too many gadgets. It's set, you know, kind of um, Eastern Bloc again. Um, there's a fantastic uh, ski, ski and ski mountain sequence, oh, and then yeah. end up going down the mountain on a cello. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. It's got it's got a gorgeous girl, Marion Darbo. Uh, it's, it's it's. I think I think it's a re- I think it's a really good one, and I I do like um, Timothy Dalton in that in that one. I think he's pretty good. So that 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 would be one I would say is quite underrated. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree there. What about yourself, Andrew? Any, any for you? I know we've mentioned a lot. Well, it'll probably wind you two up, but one of my first thoughts when um, when I saw this question on the agenda was actually Quantum of Solace. I actually quite enjoy it. Um, I don't know if you've watched it again lately. I'm not no. gonna I'm not gonna make a claim for it to be one of the best or anything like that. But I watched it again quite recently, and there's a lot of good sequences. Now it may not make much sense, and the plot's not that good. Oh, some guy wants to charge a bit more for water is basically the plot. But um, I just think there's a lot of good sequences in it, and unlike one like uh, Spectre, which just goes on far too long, is nearly two and a half hours. Quantum of Solace is like a hundred minutes, and um, it's got quite good sequences in there. But obviously, I know you're not going to agree with me on that, but uh, and it's not to everyone's taste. But I think it. I didn't enjoy it at the time when I saw it, but going back, I think that there's sort of things in there to enjoy, even if it's still not a you know a brilliant film. Yeah, I, I, I think one of the things the, the, the two characters, minor characters, which do make it a good film, um, I think it's Mathis. Yeah, um, he's good. He, he's, he's brilliant in Casino Royale. He's a, he's a fantastic minor character on the good side. Or sort of, he's a bit esoteric, actually, isn't he? You know, is, is he good? Is he? You know, anyway, um, and then um, the, I also really like um, the Felix Leiter. The, the portrayal of Felix Leiter in those two films. I don't know the actor's name, I'm afraid. Jeffrey but, um, Wright. 
Instagram. Jeffrey Wright. He, he, he's, he's put, that's probably the best portrayal of Felix Slater I've, I've seen as well. Yeah. And there's that scene yeah. when he goes to, I think he breaks out of the embassy somewhere and he meets him in his seedy bar somewhere, yes. doesn't he? Yeah, in the KGB. That, that's about, that is actually a pretty good scene, I have to say. Yeah, so I think there, I think there are some, some good bits in it. The other one I would, um, I think is, is possibly underrated is For Your Eyes Only. I think it's a really good one. Um, Great chance. Yeah. Possibly more for me as I'm sort of a, perhaps more of a fan of the earlier ones, but in the sort of crazy camp madness of the sort of more era, it's probably his most down to earth one. And, um, and I think it's better for it. Um, yeah. I think it's just, it's a, it's just, it's probably like his, his closest one to like a Connery sort of 60s style, um, yeah. bond. And I, and I really like it. And I think it's, it's possibly underrated. So, um, I agree with that. It is, yeah. and it, it also it, it also the most uh, down market bon car ever. The Citroen two yeah. CV, <laughs> yeah, going down a French hillside or so whatever. It's an Italian hillside in a two CV. It's fantastic. And a lovely yeah, bon no. girl as well, as well. So you can yes, throw that in there as well. So yeah, and um, and I think as you say, I think that's the most cold blooded Moore's ever been in a film. As you say, the most like a Connery or maybe what Fleming envisaged that that Moore ever got to anyway. And that, that that takes us neatly on, I suppose, to obviously the Craig era was heavily influenced by, you know, the Bourne films and went darker and grittier. You know, you could, I suppose, say it's returning to its roots as well. We Did did you enjoy that direction that it took? Or, or, or I think, obviously, from what you have said, I get the impression you both did. Uh, if you could tell me what you thought of that, Dan. Oh, hugely, hugely enjoyed it. I mean, um, I think um, after... After Die Another Day, which was about 2002, I think something like that, they had to do something because the Bourne film started before Casino Royale came back, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, Bourne was what, about 2005, the first Bourne film? 2006? I think it might even be a bit earlier than that, but it could be yeah. one. Yeah, because Die Another Day was, was really poor. Yeah. Um, and it was the peak, it was, you know, peak sort of over the top CGI and gadgetry and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And then. Bourne comes along, it's basically back to basics, stripped down, mano a mano, no gadgets. Um, and I don't think they had any choice but to adapt. And, 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 and to be honest, they were quite clever. You know, Bond, Bond has evolved. And for example, the first, you know, in Goldeneye, when M is, is, is a woman, obviously Judy Dench, which is, and she's pretty good to have to say as M the whole way through. Um, and then you know, she calls him into the office, and she? And she says, oh, you're like a relic of the Cold War. You're a dinosaur. Yeah, and, you know, it, and it... it yeah, and yeah, and it, it it moves on, and they try to Brosnan does try to try to adapt to the late nineties time, and I think they had to do it again, um, and they got Craig in, and and, I, and Craig got the role on the strength of uh, Layer Cake, I think it was, yeah. uh, when he played um, played an East End gangster, I think, and it's a really good film, I like really enjoy, I like Layer Cake, um, but um, and he got it ahead of people like Clive Owen, if I recall, yeah, uh, so um, and he wasn't in, and it was he wasn't particularly fancied by the British media at the time, um, mainly because he was blonde, I think. Yeah, <laughs> it was short. R- really random, isn't it? Yeah, because um, apparently Bond has to be dark, you know, and so, anyway, because um, he's dark in the books, I, I guess. But, but yeah, I think the first time we see him, is he, he does he does a, a Andres coming out of the sea, and he's there, and he's absolutely ripped, isn't he, basically? Yeah. And he walks out of the sea, and then, um, then there's the scene in Miami Airport, <laughs> yeah, the, which, is, which is just unbelievable. Um, there's there's obviously the torture scene, which is incredibly powerful. That you know the, the scene that just because it's it's just so brutal, but so ingenious what they, they, they do. 
Um, it's just it's just so powerful. And then in the middle of it, you've got that um, the, the extended casino scene, which is absolutely fantastic oh, yeah. with um, with Le Chiffre. I mean, it's just I think Casino Royale is better than any of the Bourne films. They 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 saw what Bourne did and then they raised it some after that. It's just a brilliant brilliant film. I, I personally, I'd take the Bourne films, but uh, it, it, it it is an excellent film. There's no doubt about that. And I know it's just a matter of opinion, which would be your favourite. But I agree with all your points there. Really, um, uh, I've really enjoyed the direction, and I like as well that it gave us a Bond who was a relative novice and learning at times, and that was a, an interesting angle to take. So, no, I really like this different direction. What about yourself, Andrew? Did were you a fan of it? Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly a fan of the the films and um, sort of agree with everything Dan said. I mean, I, I do wonder if they possibly made, this is no criticism of Daniel Craig's portrayal, but whether they made Bond just a little bit too sort of vulnerable in the recent sort of Craig ones, which is not something you necessarily associate with him. But I guess that's just sort of personal taste on my part. But um, no, I mean, I think the, the, the films have been um, have generally been been very good. And this, this darker thing is... is 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 probably for the best and as i said right at the beginning i mean that's how it that's how it's been you know the films have tended to evolve and go with the times you know they mm-hmm. the bomb films are very good at sort of tapping into what's current and you could argue then that it perhaps makes them look dated sort of 20 or 30 years later but you know they're, they're very much sort of on point with the sort of current mood of of cinema i think and um no, I think I think they've done a really good job. But I mean, particularly after Die Another Day, I mean, it, you know, it couldn't have got much worse, I guess. But um, no, they <laughs> yeah. they certainly pulled things around for the better, definitely. Well, I'm just aware of the time, so I'm just going to ask you both very briefly. Obviously, Daniel Craig's tenure is coming to its end. Um, who who, if you could just say very quickly, who who will be your shouts for the next Bond? Firstly, uh, Andrew. Well, I'm not really doing anything, you know, if they need somebody, but. Um, <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah, but um, you've got my vote. Yeah, I, I suppose a, a Stato's more of a of a Q figure than a than a Bond figure. <laughs> but um, I don't know. You hear so much about Idris Elba, and I can't honestly see it happening. But I think it would be really interesting if he got it. I think. Definitely. I mean, realistically, he's probably a bit old because whoever gets it will presumably do three or four films. So mm-hmm. it's sort of like committing for a decade or so. But it's something I'd like to see, albeit I don't think it would really happen. Uh, the other one that gets talked about a lot is Tom Hiddleston, but I, there's just something about him doesn't sit right with me for Bond. I don't know what it is. Um, I don't think he's got that. He he, he doesn't have that. Uh, obviously, I know some of them haven't, but we've we've all seen to like that sort of a Bond that looks like he could physically kill someone if needed, and I don't think he has that. I know people can bulk up, but he wouldn't yeah. be believable to me as a as a as a spy at that level. No, he's, he's he's a bit slight, I think, possibly yeah. to uh, to be Bond. I mean, a good actor. I'm sure he could probably do a pretty good job. But oh yeah, I'm, no I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'd quite I'd quite buy it. Beyond those I, two, I haven't really got any suggestions. I, I don't know who else. I, it, it's a tough job. I don't know who could do it really. And yourself, Dan. Obviously, we can't we can't vote for Andrew now. He's already. <laughs> <laughs> Other than Andrew, would you go for me? I think they're two of the best candidates, to be honest. I mean, I would absolutely love Idris Elba to get it. Oh, um, because I don't think he looks his age. No, um, he doesn't. Uh, true, true. Um, and he, he's, he's he's enormous, isn't he? He's oh, a huge yeah. man. I mean, he's inc- and, it, it, and he's so in so brutal in in Luther. Um, he's one of the best. Luther is one of the best detective characters I, I've, I've ever seen. Definitely. Uh, um, and he, he's brutal, and he's so physical. 
he's um, so charismatic as well, isn't he? Yes, yeah. yeah, absolutely. God, he just oozes charisma. Yeah, absolutely. So he would be a really, really, really fascinating choice. One of one of one when I always wanted to get it in about 2000 was was Ray Fiennes. I, I did want him. You know, but obviously, it's funny because you know, he's now in the films as M. But yeah. I, I would love, I, w- I would really loved him to get a couple because again, he's a, he's 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 a big man, you know, he's a big man, and he, he I think he could have done the physical stuff. Well, I think he's shown um, now, isn't he, that he could have done it, you know, because he, he's still great in these ones as a sort of, he, he, and I think he's XSAS or something. So I think he, I think you're right, he'd have been great. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, he's obviously too old now and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But back in the day, I think I would have really liked him. And I, I like, I really like Tom Hiddleston. I have to say, I do like him a lot. Um, but again, I think he would be, uh, he would be more uh, Pierce Brosnan yeah. than um, than um, Daniel Craig. Yeah. Um, but I, I do like him. He's certainly, he's certainly charming enough. He's certainly oh, handsome yeah. enough. Yeah. Uh, and he, he's, he certainly. I mean, I, I really liked him as Loki, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in, yeah. In, in in Thor and. Um, um, and the Avengers film, so yeah, he's he he he's, he's got to be a real he's got to be a real candidate because and again he's he's a they're both British. I mean him and um, Idris Elba are both British, aren't they? Mm-hmm. The, yeah, the, the the couple of great shouts. The, the one I'd like to get it uh, 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 probably either Idris Elba or this guy. I don't know whether he might be getting a bit too old. I'm not sure exactly how old he is. Michael Fassbender, I think. Yes, yes. In Inglorious yes. Bastards, where he was, you know, playing the German German soldier, I think he had a really great balance of toughness and charm, and I think he 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 would be great. And he, he he's another Liverpool fan, which helps. So you know, <laughs> after Craig, but no, any of the names mentioned, even even although I, I think maybe. Um, Hiddleston might be a little too slight. He's a brilliant actor and so charismatic. I think any of those will be perfect. So well, it'll be interesting. Hiddleston's got the age on his side because he's sure. only thirty-five. Sure. Good now. point. Good um, point. Yeah. So, so Fassbender's thirty-nine and Idris Elba's forty-three. I've just mm-hmm. looked it up now. I see. I see. It wouldn't. Any it wouldn't. Of those. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they went for light-hearted ones. When you think about it, they do tend to sort of swing back and forth, sort of yeah. Connery to Moore and then Moore mm-hmm. to Dalton. True. To Brosnan, a bit more light-hearted, then back to Craig. So it wouldn't surprise yeah. me if they went for a light-hearted one to kind of go back the other way. So, yeah. and you know, maybe you just keep it on a two to three film deal, and you know, no, 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 and then change around to next. You know, make sure people don't don't stay in the role too long, uh, and they don't get too. More, most importantly, they don't get too old in the role as yeah. well. Definitely. I, I, I reckon you could pull off light-hearted, Andrew. So. Uh, I think you've got a chance. You've got a chance, mate. Uh, no, brilliant talking to you both. There, it'll be interesting to see what what direction Bond takes next. And um, I'd just like to thank you both for coming on, um, and thank everyone for listening. And it, obviously, you know, if you're a Liverpool fan, you you'll know you two. You're great followers. Where can people find more more of your work? Firstly, uh, Andrew. Uh, well, I guess Twitter is the main place, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. I do have a blog, com as well, but um, I'm too busy to actually write anything on it these days. So uh, <laughs> so uh, Twitter's, Twitter's probably the best place, uh, I think. And your handle on there? Uh, it's at BassTuneToRed, which doesn't mean a lot to, any pe- to many people, but um, sort of a play on a Super Furry Animal song. But uh, <laughs> yeah, BassTunedToRed. Normally tweeting stats out about Liverpool, but... Uh, Bond stuff more and more at the moment as well, so uh, oh, might see me brilliant. doing that as well. A must follow. Same with Dan. And where can people find more of your work and your thoughts, Dan? Well, um, I don't 
blog anywhere near as much as I uh, I do. But I've, um, if I do blog, it'll be it's most, like, most likely to be for Tonkin's Times. Uh, mm-hmm. um, but I'm at Dan Kennett on Twitter. Two N's, two T's. Oh, uh, and I should have mentioned Tom Hardy, by the way. Oh yeah, he'd be great as well. Another great chap. He, he, he's he's got to be a he's got to be a genuine candidate, I think. Yeah, no, the, there's a there's a great selection, especially after there. the craze. Oh yeah, yeah. He, 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 I think he's got he's got the lot. He, he really could be. He's another great one, and obviously he's clearly a you know after seeing Bane and things like that and Bronson and. Obviously, the craze, as you say, you know, you believe he could break someone's neck if it came down to that. So, no, I think he's... Yeah, he's got the psycho side, definitely. Oh, definitely, definitely. So, uh, no... The great shout there, um, another must follow in Dan. Uh, if you like, if you like LFC and in particular stats and analytics, these guys obviously I'm sure you'll already know, but the, they are great follows for so much information. Thanks to everybody for listening. Obviously, thanks to the guests for coming on. Always welcome feedback, good or bad, film suggestions, anything like that. Please uh, on Twitter at uh, Joe Simpson at Joe Simpson seventy nine or at AI Movie Night at AI Movie Night. Thanks for listening. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond. I expect you to die. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.